Hey, 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 good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are on this beautiful planet. Welcome to today's episode of Reconnecting to the Artist Within. And I got to tell you, I am very excited to be doing it. Today is our very first episode, and I really loved this interview with Damien. So I'm going to bring on my man, Damien Carruthers. He is living in England right now. And Damien went from a career in sales to now a songwriter. He has a publishing deal and he is making music full time. And this was such a great interview that I wanted it to, to be the one where we kick off the podcast. So without further ado, let me bring in Damien. And I just want to say thank you so much, everyone, for checking out this episode. All right. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, what's up, everybody? This week, we have Damien Carruthers to interview. He's coming at us from Norfolk County, England. I'm not going to try to the name. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, apparently, he's got a beautiful view out of his window. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that, Damien? I am looking out the window right now, and I can see the beach, and I can see the sea, and you can see the boats out there, and seagulls, and it's quite windy at the moment, but... Um, it's quite nice out there today. It's, it's such an inspirational place to live, and I, I take so many songs from living here. Yeah, that sounds absolutely epic, man. Awesome. It's cool. I wouldn't move now. I, I couldn't live anywhere but here. Cool, cool. So right now, why don't we why don't we take a thirty thousand foot view, and you just give us sort of like real quick where you were, where you are right now, and then we'll dig into the story. I'll try and break it down. So up until March this year, when the pandemic hit, I was working in corporate sales. I've done sales, I've done music kind of all my life, but I've done sales for the last kind of 10 years. And I was doing corporate sales in a trampoline park, which was a really fun job. But the kind of the long-term goal was to go full-time with music. And uh, when the pandemic hit and lockdown came into effect, it gave me so much more time to focus on music and, and writing and everything else. So I started to write a lot more. We put out a song with the band in April. It did really well. So I kind of used the momentum there to get a publishing deal, which is, you know, the best way to earn money. I, I kind of don't push towards getting Spotify plays or iTunes downloads. The end game is a publishing deal because that's what pays us. It pays us for radio play. You know, it pushes your music to films, to TV, to video games. And we're getting a lot of play in stores at the moment as well, in shops, which awesome. is generating awesome. income. So that was always the goal for us to get the publishing deal. And I think that's the way to make a long-term career out of music. Don't focus on getting famous, focus on getting paid for it. Oh, amen, man. That is exactly what I am trying to educate myself on as we yeah. speak, right? So... That's exactly awesome, that. Damien. That's awesome, dude. I'm, 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 I love that. I love that story. So tell us, you know, I, I'd love to hear more about your childhood, right? Yeah. And sort of the journey that you took from, you know, childhood into sales. All right, let's start there and then we'll kind of talk about the arts here. That's a tough one. I, I didn't really go to like university or... Oh, that's fine or anything like that. I went from, I was in school. Um, I was quite creative at school, but over here, they don't encourage that really. You're not encouraged to be creative. You're kind of forced into a system where you're told you have to get a job, you have to pay your taxes, 
you can't be a writer, you can't be a musician, it's unrealistic, you know, it's never going to happen. Um, you say over here, of, but I feel like that's a worldwide theme, man. Probably is a worldwide thing, yeah, you're yeah. never told. No one's told that they can follow their dreams and, and it kind of subdues you and totally. discourages you from doing so. So it took me a long time to gain the confidence and, you know, the ability to go after it and actually start to believe that's what I could do. Um, I did a performing arts course from school. So at the age of 16, when I did performing arts, which was acting, music, uh, music production, things along those lines. Um, and then went into work, straight from there to work because that was the best way to get paid. Um, I had no real qualifications and I'm quite good at sales. So that was the, the natural thing to kind of get into. And I stayed with that. And I worked for BMW, I worked for Ford, corporate sales for trampoline parks, British Telecom. I've done quite a lot of sales roles, which at the time I didn't really enjoy. Looking back on it now, I learned so much from them that I've been able to translate into this music career. So I've learned how to pitch my music, how to sell my music, yes. how to market yes. my music, um, how to talk to people. It, it's you know, made me a lot better at interviews on the radio and things like this, um, doing sales. So I don't regret it now. Looking back, the path I've taken was the path I was supposed to take and it's led me to where I am now. But I am excited about the future with music and being creative and that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. And lockdown has kind of taught me that, you know, we don't need to go to work every day. It's, it's killing us, you know, going to work for eight or nine hours a day, five days a week, but not seeing friends or family. You know, it's not something we should be doing as human beings. We should Ooh. be out there. Preach! Preach! <laughs> Amen, Damien. <laughs> Man, you're preaching to the choir here. I feel you on that. Absolutely. Life Definitely. Important, you know? Yeah. We can be gone. We can be here one minute and, and kind of gone the next. So you have to live every day with kind of that attitude that tomorrow yeah. you might not be here. And a lot of people do think I'm a little bit crazy sometimes with how I do my music. I write a song. I want to take it straight into the studio or I'll spend a ton of money I don't really have recording a song but that's how I work if I get something in me I've got to create that because you know tomorrow or next week's never a given I may not be here and I want to leave all those behind to you know for people to listen to got it so so you did the performing arts and then you said you went into sales but I'd love to hear was there anything you know you you, you mentioned how you know the world and it doesn't really um encourage you to follow your dreams right yeah but do you remember anything specific from that time in your life, like a, a conversation with a, a, with a parent or a teacher that start actually moved you away from performing arts and towards sales? Definitely when I was at school, you know, at the ages of 40, I was quite intelligent at school. Um, I, I did quite well at everything, but I found myself, you know, being in class one at the top, dropping and dropping and dropping because I wasn't challenged and I wasn't interested in what I was doing. Mm. Um, you know, I love creative writing. I absolutely loved it, but I was I was told that you know can't do that. You know, you can't go into that. You can't write. You have to focus on something realistic. I remember I can't remember the English teacher's name, um, but she very much discouraged me from doing it and told me to you know keep my feet on the ground and my head out of the clouds at school. And that was the first time I felt really discouraged. You know, up until then, I knew what I wanted to be. I knew I wanted to be wow. you know a musician. Um, and make music and create things with my life and there was like a, a huge gap between me told I couldn't do it to taking that up and, and pursuing it 
you know, and I kind of wonder now what would happen if I had gone to a school where that would have been actively encouraged and the teachers would have, you know, mentored me and noticed that I had some kind of talent and, and helped me out with it. I could have been in a much better position than I am now. And I think we waste so much time in school doing subjects we don't need to do. You know, geography, I don't, I don't like geography. I don't need it. Um, religious education, don't really need that. I didn't really yeah. like woodwork or things like that. So you're being forced to do all these classes you have yeah. no interest in. Um, and I, I really do think the education system needs a huge rethink, you know, all over the world. Because it, it's, it's not right at the moment for people. Think about the math that we are all taught and then the math that we actually use in our everyday yeah. life. Like <laughs> addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. Like I'm not doing any quadratic formulas in my day-to-day. -day. Well, I mean, what has it taught us? We now have calculators that we carry around in our pockets there on our you phones. Go. So yeah. I know we didn't back then, but everything we studied in maths, it, it's absolutely pointless. It hasn't helped yeah. us achieve anything. You know, if you want to be a scientist or anything along, along those lines, it makes sense to to do that back in school. But people have an idea of what they want to do from a very young age, don't they? And um, we're kind so. of swayed away from that by people who tell us that we're not good enough to do it. Yeah, and I run into so many people later on in life that, say well no they they don't have a dream or they don't remember but i think you yeah. hit on something really important like from a young age kids dream big i think that is very innate in them to have a big dream I agree with that yeah to understand oh. where they want to go with their life and then yeah society just beats it out of you or beats it down so hard that you you forget about it it's really a shame it's exactly what it does doesn't it exactly what society does for us um there's just not enough opportunities for kids out there and there's some you know the kids now are, are the, our next generation they're the next musicians the next astronauts and pilots and scientists and writers and how many of those you know are we preventing from fulfilling their you know their ambition or or their purpose you know we could be losing out on the next nikola tesla or Leonardo yeah. da Vinci, because we are taking them away from their dreams and telling them that it's not feasible for them to do it. And that's kind of a sad thing. You know, what are we losing out on by, by doing this to kids? It's interesting that you say that because I've been, I was talking to my wife the other day about this idea that I actually feel like all of these viral social media phenomenons, like say TikTok, right? Yeah. Are, are actually distracting children from more creative pursuits and so it's it's keeping them in this digital world where their desires become just going viral on tiktok or getting a few likes and that we're actually distracting them from like yeah becoming the next leonardo da vinci or yeah. beethoven or you know what i mean that they're not even putting their energy towards that anymore they're putting it all towards yeah being a viral sensation i, I was just contemplating on how I felt that was a bit of a shame because I, I see a lot of kids in, in parks, you know, and they've all got their phones pointed at each other and they're doing a yeah. little dance together. And that's kind of just what their life's become. And hey, I know I sound like an old grandpa, right? You know, because I'm sure my grandfather was yeah. saying, look at these kids with their <laughs> TVs and their GI Joes, you know, so. Yeah, <laughs> it, exactly like that. And TikTok is dangerous. Um, like, as you know, we, we just put out a song called TikTok. You did. And we're shooting the video for it this week. So we're making a video. It's all going to be shot in portrait. We're going to cool. make fun of some people that are leading the world right now. We have some costumes. 
Okay. And I entered the world of TikTok to do research on um on what kind of videos we were gonna do in our music video. And oh yeah. Like half an hour that I'd attended to do it quickly turned into like three or four hours and just scrolling, you can get completely lost in the world of TikTok. So I can see how kids do it. It's You're so easily I am to enter into that world. I'm an adult, it just it does drag you in. And I think, like you say, it's they want to become viral sensations, which yeah. You know, society these days is quite deep. It, it teaches people, I think, that hard work doesn't get you where you want to be. It's all about money now. If you download a game on your phone, you can no longer complete that by working hard at it. You've got to throw money on it. It's the same with Xbox. Mm. If you want to win, you need to put money into that. You know, football teams over here, if you want to win the premiership of football, you've got to spend a ton of money. It's no longer about hard work. And, you know, there's a lot of reality TV. That's not about hard work, is it? Nobody works to get there. They don't go to drama school for four or five years, learn how to be an actor and audition. It's kind of like reality TV. They get there straight away. And it's a sad thing, isn't it? Society doesn't show us anymore that hard work, you know, gets you success. Gets you where you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. So you've put in some hard work. So you, you took the job in sales. How long did you do sales for? probably around 10 years doing sales, um, doing various roles, never enjoyed it. It's quite a soul destroying job. You need to be quite resilient to do it. As I said, that's kind of carried over through to music. Again, music is, it's a lot more rewarding than sales um, because you get, you know, the songs at the end of it, you get to connect with people, but the work you have to put in is, is so much more for kind of less success. If I made a sale work for BMW, you know, I've instantly made commission on that. If I make a song, I can put, you know, a thousand pounds into making a song, put it out there, get it on kind of um, all the social media platforms, all the streaming platforms. And you don't want to see a reward for that, but I don't know how long sometimes. So it's a lot of hard work and you have to keep going. I think too many people give up too soon with music. You have to keep going and, and keep putting more songs out there and, and try and make a success of it. You can't just give up on it and, you know, maybe if more people did a bit of sales when they were younger, they might be better musicians. Yeah. It's funny. Promoting themselves. Yeah, that's what I've been reading more about is sales and how to talk about your music, how to write copy that gets someone interested in the yeah. story of the song. But I wanted to draw out a distinction because it's obvious like to me that in order to pour like a thousand pounds into a song, there's obviously inner reward, right? Like yeah. <laughs> you feel the, the joy and the satisfaction of taking this idea and bringing it into the world as a song. And so even though the societal rewards of money are nice, right? We need to live and put food on the table and have a roof over yeah. our head. At the end of the day, it's not the driving force that gets you to make music because if you were doing it just for the money, you'd still be in sales. Exactly that. I would be in sales probably for the rest of my life. I wouldn't be happy, but I'd, I'd be rich. <laughs> instead of sales. Yeah. I'd rather be a poor musician than a rich salesperson. Though. All right. Well, yeah. Hopefully it's going in that direction where you're going to be a, you know, wealthy musician. I, I, yeah, I'm putting a lot out there. I'm doing the book as well. I've got a children's oh, book coming cool. out, which involves music. So mm. the basis on that is it's a children's book, but there's going to be an audio book with a soundtrack as well. So I'm kind wow. of bringing music and children's literacy together there. 
and try to Incredible. introduce more children to music and, and kind of art and stuff like that, which is really cool. So that's out in December this year, just before Christmas. I'm going to swear, but I fucking love that, dude. That's amazing. It's kind of like it's five years in the making and I'm, I'm just seeing it kind of, you know, the website's up. It's got my date set for release. The song is recorded. You know, we've got the actors there. Everything's written. It's, it's kind of all set now and it's, it's the first time this week I've actually felt, you know what, this is, this is actually happening. And it's kind I of huge, a, you know, to have that. Yeah. I feel me, a surge anyway, of energy in my body just hearing about this idea. That's incredible. I love it. I want to kind of do more of it. So I've got all these ideas for books. I'm quite creative with my mind. Um, and very, you know, a lot of people will have an idea and never follow through on it. I'm kind mm. of like, if I have an idea, I don't know how I'm going to get, I know I need to get to point B from point A. I don't know what points I need to get to in between, but I figure it out on the way. And that's kind of how I did music and, and how I've gone about the book. And um, I'd quite like to do some kind of short film or a movie or something next. I don't know how I would do it. But um, awesome. again, it will be based around music. You know, that's yeah. kind of, music is the thing I think I'm kind of good at. The book, the, I have doubted myself quite a lot with it. You know, can I do it? Am I good enough? It's a children's book at the end of the day. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's probably, you know, around the same level of intellect that, that I have to write a children's <laughs> book. I can connect with children. I have a kind of um, small mental age. I think I can connect with children quite well. But I like yeah. to incorporate yeah. music with so many things. Uh, another kind of reason I think music at the moment, when I hear what kids are listening to, it's, it's not very good, is a polite way to put it. It's, sure, sure, I feel sure. like you could take anyone off the streets these days put them in a studio with a producer, throw a million pounds at it, and you could have a hit single. I think the art of songwriting is, is dying out almost. You know, there's, there's a lot of bad music out there at the moment. Yeah, my sense is that it seems to be missing soul, right? That like that- uh, Yeah, I'd agree with that. That heart and that energy that goes into like, the, the music that from the ages, do you know what I mean? Like Nina Simone and then the amount of yeah. soul that she poured into her music or Aretha Franklin or Sharon Jones or, you know, the Beatles, everybody, right? It's like music back in the day that it was about much more than just, yeah, being a viral hit on the internet, right? Having That's what it's about these days, isn't it? Going viral with the song. It's, and these songs don't mean anything. You know, you've got rappers talking about Gucci and, and driving Ferraris and stuff like that, you know, where, where are the songs that mentor you through life and help you get through life that talk about, you know, the things that you have to deal with growing up and, you know, being a child all the way through to an adult, you don't get that anymore, especially with the mainstream music. It's yes. kind of all talking about random, the, the lyrics you, you hear these days are terrible. You know, yeah, at 16 make, years old, I couldn't relate to anything about Gucci. I still can't. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I've got no idea. The, the best explanation I heard about it, though, was Erica Badu, and she said, it's a vibe. Like, they asked her what she thought about new music these days, and she was like, you know, it's just a vibe, and the kids are on this wavelength, and maybe we just don't understand it. I don't know if she said that last part. I certainly don't understand it, <laughs> right? <laughs> she probably does. I don't understand it at all. It just makes no sense to me at all, the music that's kind of out there at the moment. I do think kids have a shorter attention span these days. So kind of, you'll find songs are shorter as well. If you look yeah. at some of the songs yeah. on YouTube, some of these are, you know, two minutes, three minutes, max long. Um, don't really follow that structure that we typically have for the last few decades. You know, it's, it's a bit different now. It's, Do you know why that is? 
Go on. So I read an article about this. Yeah, I read an article about this. Now artists are getting paid for streams, like plays, right? So yeah. the shorter the song is, the more likely the person's going to press play again and circle back around on the song. Because <laughs> wow. I, yeah, there was an article, I forget what I read it in, but that made a lot of sense to me because I noticed some of my favorite hip hop artists were putting out, even like talented ones who have a message in their song, like yeah. current, were putting out songs around the two minute mark. And I remember thinking like, oh, I would have liked a lot more to this, maybe at least another minute another yeah. hook, another hook another verse and uh yeah it's actually because they're just trying to get repeat plays <laughs> it's all about money then so yeah in a sense um, streaming has kind of killed it hasn't it i mean we make nothing from streaming absolutely nothing sure um the money comes from radio play and, and getting played in stores and stuff like that but that's cool i, I think the, the money in streaming is so small it kind of makes sense to do that i guess try and make some money yeah. from it people have to make a living from it and you know the record labels want their cut you know everyone's taking a cut on everyone's their piece of the pie yeah so so it sounds like you're mostly an independent artist but you have the publishing deal yeah we are completely independent we wanted to go publishing rather than a record deal because it gives us complete artistic freedom we can do anything we like we can put songs out whenever we like there's no pressure on us Cool. nobody's telling us our songs need to be changed or shortened or made more commercial we can do kind of whatever we want mm-hmm. um which suits us because that's the way we like to work you know a song comes out as a song i kind of like to connect with people through the lyrics and you know write about things that are relevant so home was about you know losing my dad to cancer and mm. um don't know what else you've heard on there but there's a lot about relationships yeah. Um, yeah there's astronomy we put one out called astronomy which is about kind of finding yourself um and following your dreams it sounds like it's a love song it's not it's about finding yourself uh, so and then the song that you were writing there. around the time that um you transitioned out of sales into it exactly music? was that yeah it was kind of my i felt my soul kind of talking to me and saying you know what you need to believe in yourself a lot more and love yourself a lot more and kind of go after what you want to do because Beautiful. Sales was never, I was good at sales. It was never working for me. I'd never be happy in a job. You know, I saw everyone else happy in their jobs, doing what they want to do. And I was never happy doing it. I always felt like I wanted more and I wanted to make a difference. And it was that time I wrote the song. And um, yeah, it does sound like a, a love song, definitely. But it's, it's talking about connecting with your soul. It's like your soul reaching out to you and, and saying, you know, follow your heart, you know, chase your dreams and, give it a go and that's that's kind of that was a turning point in my life that song it's the first song that really connected with the radio we got some really good radio play with the song and it went down really well and it was kind of very i think symbolic to put that song out at that time when everything was going on um not saying it's been easy since then it's been a huge struggle and um you know so many challenges covid has given so many challenges for us musically because for the first three months or four months, we couldn't even get into a studio. Mm. So I'd written all these songs. I'd gone out and got a publishing deal, but I couldn't take anything into a studio. Um, so as soon as I was able to, I went back in and I started making more music, which is really cool. And I'm in four different studios next month, putting out more songs as well. So it's, it's kind of full steam ahead now. And, you know, put the pandemic behind us and we're trying to get yeah. some more music out yeah. there and take advantage of it. So, you're in sales i want to i want to go a little bit into the that right there the part where you yeah. wrote the song and you transitioned out of sales so you're in sales you're unhappy 
what, you know, you're writing this song. Was there a particular moment at the end of your like sales job, you know, or towards the end where you thought, like, I, okay, I I've do got have it. a story for you. I do have a cool story. It's emotional. emotional. So um, I was in a band, so I was doing sales and I was in a band with a guy called David Pickup. Okay. And we were, we did okay. We toured and, and everything else. And then we had this fallout and we stopped touring together. And I was still working sales at the time. And I, I guess my music before hadn't been that great. And um, after probably a year or two of, of not really, we we're like best friends. We lived together for ages and the kind of music, we, we were made friends, but we didn't make music together and didn't hang out as much. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then we thought, you know what, we'll hang out and we'll, we'll chill out together. And there was a guitar there and I just picked it up and started playing a riff and he started singing this song to it. And uh, it was called She's the One, um, which you'll find on our Spotify. And, you know, we never recorded it. We didn't get down to record it. And a couple of months later, I, I wrote another song called Counting Stars. And I thought, you know, what? I want to take this one into the studio. This is really cool. So I think it was October um, or November time. I went into the studio. Didn't have anyone to sing for it then. Yeah, I didn't have anyone to sing. I was going to use someone else. And... We recorded it and then the guys that I was in the studio with knew Dave as well and they said, well, let's get Dave in um, and do this track. So recorded the music. A few weeks later, we brought Dave in and then the mixing and mastering process took ages and it went past Christmas and we hadn't got anything back. And Dave kept bugging me and he was like, where's the song? You know, where is the song? I want to hear it. And, um, and on the 16th of January, I think this is 2016, Dave got killed in a hit and run. So he, he was, there was a, two drivers racing and one of them hit him late at night when he was on his bicycle traveling somewhere and he got killed. And um, the day after that is when I got the song back and I heard his voice on it. Um, so I was kind of like, it was kind of emotional having that song um, and hearing his voice when, you know, the day before he just got on and it, that kind of made me think, you know, he, he didn't really pursue his music. He was so good. He didn't pursue it as much as he should have done. You know, he was quite lax with it and and didn't achieve as much as he could have done with his voice because it was incredible. So I kind of thought, you know, I need to live for him. I need to make double the effort now because he can no longer sing. You know, he can no longer take to the stage. So every time I do it, I have to live twice the amount for him. And I had this song, She's the One, that me and David started writing that time. And um, I just didn't know what to do. And I waited a few months, six or seven months. And I thought, you know what? I want to take this into the studio. It's something I want to complete. We did it together. Um, but again, now I don't have a singer. Dave's gone. So what do I do? And I went to an open mic night just randomly. And um, there was some guy performing there who I didn't really take much notice of, but you know, he was all right. And uh, he added me on Facebook like a week later. And then a week after that, I saw him post a video of himself singing and it was like absolutely incredible. So I dropped him a message completely randomly and just said, you know, I've got this song. This is what happened. Do you want to come and sing? And, you know, he agreed straight away, came into the studio a few weeks later and we got to finish She's the One. And the intention was never to form a band, but somehow two guys that were producing a single who are amazing musicians themselves Matt and myself ended up forming Serenade the Stars. And um, within six months from then, we were performing at a festival called Live in the Park to, I don't know how many thousand people, you know, 10,000 people or so. And and then we took it seriously and I started writing a lot more music and we started working together. And 
we kept going into the studio and as we went into the studio more and more the songs seemed to get better and you know that brings us up until now where we've got an album ready to release you know we're getting radio play with the songs we signed a publishing deal and i look back and it was it was dave you know giving his life almost i guess or losing his life that kind of gave me that gift of music um dying there probably wouldn't have been a band i may have stayed in sales you know um and that was definitely a push and every time I need to write or want to do something like that, I often think of him and think, what would he do here? You know, how would he do it? And I look back at that quite favorably, you know, I don't regret losing him. I, I kind of am more appreciate that he was in my life, even though it was, you know, a few years, you know, probably 10 years, I appreciate that he was in my life and he changed my life whilst he was in it. And it's led me to where I am now. And um, I'll owe that to him for the rest of my life, you know, um, I do miss him, but he gave me the best gift ever. You know, he he gave me the gift of music with his band and he's the reason we're doing it. Um, so it's easy to get sad when you lose people, I guess, but I think you have to look at it in a more positive way. Like you were lucky to have this person in your life. You know, don't be sad that they're gone. Be happy that they were with you. And you know what? I am where I am right now, um, partly because of him. Um so yeah, that's kind of the story I try and tell as much as I can when I'm doing these kind of things. That's a beautiful story. And I love how deep it's getting. He, he obviously gave you such a beautiful gift, you know, and I, I love how you kind of brought it back around to this idea that, you know, the people that we lose, we can look at it in a, in a positive way and sort of see the way that they helped shape and form the people that we've become and are becoming. So was, was I awesome. think so. And we have to take that you know, on board with our lives as well. What effect are we having on people? Are we having a positive effect on people? Are we having a negative one? You know, we're all going to die at some point. All of us are. And uh, when I die, I certainly want people to remember me in a positive way, not in a negative way. And I want to leave as much behind as I can. I want to leave music and books and you know, films and as much as I can for people to, to not remember me by, but to kind of, I think I have a message, you know, I have something to say. Yeah. And um, sometimes I do that metaphorically with my songs, but I kind of want people to hear that. And um, hopefully they will do. I think people will probably listen to it more when I die. <laughs> when I'm alive. <laughs> um, I think that's the way we should all live a good lives. start, though, while you're alive. You got the, you know, you, <laughs> so you got the publishing deal. Tell us about that. Like, you're working your job. Are you, are the wheels in motion for the deal? And then that's when COVID hit and you decide to jump? Like, tell us a little Yeah, about it's that. kind of... um. It's kind of another story. So I was living in a place called High Wycombe mm-hmm. um, during, as soon as COVID hit, which was March. So working where I was working, it was instant. You know, we have to go on lockdown. We can't open up. Um, and the band was doing okay then. We were doing quite well, but we didn't have the publishing deal yet. And then my mum, who lived here in Hunstanton, which is Norfolk, um, she caught the virus. So she ended up in hospital with the virus. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, we had a song called Heart Shaped Parachute. And if you check our Facebook page, the video's on there. But um, I kind of decided I wanted to do something to say thank you to all the NHS that were looking after my mum, the key workers, everyone that was kind of risking themselves. At the time, I thought, you know what, the only way we can do that is to put a song out. We're not out there, you know, saving lives or doing anything, you know, really that amazing at the moment <laughs> stuck at home so we put the song out there and the song did really well 
um, and got a lot of views and it generated loads and loads of interest from, you know, publishers and independent labels. And we got approached by a lot of um, kind of dodgy companies mm -hmm. out there. And I thought, you know what, I've, I've kind of got all these offers, but I don't want to take any of these. I want to kind of go my own way about it. So I just went on Google and searched publishing companies, hmm. um, picked out 10 that I thought I would like to sign with and emailed every single one of them in the same way I would, you know, make a sales email or a sales call and sold myself as a writer and us as a band. And one of them got back to us called Streets Music Publishing and hmm. signed us. And um, so it was kind of a really quick decision. I already knew the company because I'd approached them. So when they got back to us and... Um, offered us a deal is it was just easy for us to take we knew what we were getting ourselves into but i had to go out there and get that and, you know yeah. they didn't come to me all the ones that were offering deals to us were not legitimate companies i don't think you know there was a lot of people that just wanted to rip us off and take our music and take the rights to our music and um i think we did well we got very lucky it was a case of timing you know and and everything that went on with the lockdown as well enabled me to move here to by the seaside and my life has changed since I moved here as well and you know without everything kicking off I know it's a lot bad has happened you know we've lost a lot of people of course. Of course. Um, everyone's mental health is suffering people are losing their jobs you know I can't do anything to change those things all I can do is better my own situation during the pandemic and I kind of went into it with that on my mind thinking you know I need to make my situation better here I need to change my life and this is an opportunity to do it and just everything clicked at the right time. Everything came together and, you know, moved here. And it was always my dream as well to meet a girl. I grew up in a little village called Snettisham, mm -hmm. which is the tiniest seaside village. You know, hardly any people live there. There's one shop, you know, it's near the beach. It's kind of small country houses. Everyone talks to each other. It's really friendly. So I'd always dreamed you know, when growing up, because I moved away from there when I was eight or nine years old, I always wanted to come back and meet a girl and, and you know, have family here. And um, within a few weeks, I'd met a girl in the village. And it was kind of like we'd known each other our whole lives. We were a perfect match for each other. And everything just, everything clicked together. You know, my entire life changed, you know, after pandemic, my entire life changed for the better. And I'm in this position now where... Um, I think for the first time in my life, definitely I'm kind of realizing what true happiness is. And it's, it's not having, you know, thousands of banks, thousands of pounds in your bank. It's not having, you know, posh meals or driving nice cars. Um, happiness is kind of finding yourself. And a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't understand that. And it's kind of when you do, or when it does happen, it's the most amazing thing, you know, it's the most amazing thing. And um, I, I wouldn't change anything now. You know, I, I, if I died now, I'd, I'd die happy. You're giving me chills all over, brother. That's, I mean, this is multiple times and I could not agree more. Like, I'm not even nearly at the stage in my music career where you're at. But I tell my yeah. wife before that I'm so thankful to be finally writing songs on guitar and singing that yeah. if I died, I would be happy knowing that I did the thing that I've always wanted to do, right? Because at its essence, it's about writing the song and playing the music and just enjoying the art of creating something, in this case, song, right? And then it's 
totally worth it to throw a thousand pounds at it in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, maybe you get a publishing deal or nope plays on Spotify, but it's just, it's still worth it, you know, because it, like you said, you're, you're kind of coming back home to yourself and finding happiness. It's about there. the art, isn't it? I think we measure success too often by money. How much money does a song make? You know, do we have a deal? Do we have this? But if you can sit there and write a song and record it and you are happy with what you've done and you can listen back to it, then you have achieved what you set out to do. You know, you set out to write a song and record a song. You've achieved that. If you're happy with it, you know, what more success can you really ask for? You know, if it does well, it does well. But at the end of the day, um, the only thing you're going to leave behind when you go is your music. You know, you can't take money with you, but you can leave behind your music. So mm-hmm. if you've written songs and recorded songs and are following your dreams, then I'd say you're successful right now, you know, in, in a huge way because not many people are doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So would you be open to sharing a little bit of the nuts and bolts of the publishing deal, what that looks like and what that's afforded you to be able to yeah. do in your life? It's kind of like it works on percentages. So they, in effect, will take our music and they will push that to television. They will push it to video games, mm-hmm. push it to films, advertising, things along those lines. They also collect royalties from radio. So every time we get played on the radio, um, the radio station will owe us money. Mm-hmm. Most independent bands don't know how to collect that money. You know, if you're not doing it, the, the publishing company will take a percentage of that money. Yeah. Every time you perform live, um, you are owed money, not necessarily from the promoter paying you, but you are owed money from performing. So yeah. the publishers will collect that money as well. So they're on a percentage of, of everything you're doing. They're taking a small percentage of your Spotify, you know, 20%, let's say, of any songs you get on films. Our music is quite radio friendly and, and um, easy to listen to. So I, we get paid in shops I liked it a lot in stores. Thank you very much. So you get paid for being played in shops and gyms and things like that. And they will then take a percentage of that. But in turn, they will push our music towards that. Yeah. So they're getting our music out there. And that, that's the way forward with music, you know, as far as I'm not going to be, never going to be a pop star, you know, I'm never going to be an 18 year old, like lacking like hot body pop star that's, you know, playing to millions of people. But I kind of learned that I have to work with what I have, you know, I have to get my music onto those kind of platforms and kind of get the music heard and love to get it into film. That's where I want to do. And, you know, signing the publishing deal is one way to do that. That was one Avenue. The other way was to write the book and do the soundtrack to the book, which in turn, which is coming, you know, puts my music on, you know, onto another platform, which is really cool. So it's about, you know, you've got a, spread your bets. You've got to yeah. put your music in as many places as possible, put it in front of as many people as possible. You know, when I email radio stations, I have a radio plugging business as well. But I predominantly use my own band. Um, <laughs> but you have to send thousands and thousands of emails just to get a few replies. Um, yeah. If you don't do that, you're not going to be heard. You know, it, it takes a lot of work to do it. And a lot of people don't know how to do it. They just expect to, you know, record a song, put it online and the song will take off and it, it doesn't work that way. You could write any song, you know, you could write the best song in the world, but unless you're putting it in front of the right people, you're not going to get anywhere. It's so true. I have so many talented friends who I see simply drop music. And yeah. then I don't see the follow through as far as 
you know, promotion, writing about it. It, it's simply always, I just hear, Hey, we've got a new song or we've got a new album, go check it out. But there doesn't yeah. seem to be much push from a marketing and sales perspective to really share like why you would want to listen to their music. It's exactly that you need to be clever. I mean, with our TikTok song, it's a very simple song. It's two minutes, catchy, really simple. We're doing a funny video. The idea of that song wasn't to, to change anyone or change the world. The idea of that song is like an advert for us as a band. So that will be on TikTok sure. with our name on it. And then we want to encourage people to listen to that, but also then head over to our Spotify and, and our Facebook and, you know, perhaps buy some songs on iTunes. It's, it's designed as an advert, um, yeah. which is kind of a clever way to market. The rest of our songs you'll see are quite deep, quite yeah, meaningful. Um, you know, three or four minutes long, sometimes a little bit longer. This one is two minutes, short, sharp, you know, catchy and it, it's designed to you know bring people into our brand and, and get people to listen to us a little bit more perhaps get some radio play and, and win more fans that way but um to us it, it's a very simple song and, and took us about three or four minutes to write and really easy it's the most basic thing we've done it's got probably like two layers of guitar i think if that two layers of guitar and normally I have like 10 or 15 layers of guitar on a song. So yeah. it, for us, it was such a simple thing to do. And I felt like I wanted to do more, but I, I kind of left it. I wanted to leave it as it was and make it really simple. That's awesome. So it sounds like too, that you're able to put music out at your own pace and therefore almost have control over how often you get paid. Because if you keep putting out music, there's more for the publisher to push to radio and, you know, TV and stores. And so they yeah. kind of kind of almost predict your income by your creative output. Yeah, it's exactly that. We put it out when we want. I mean, our music is, it can be used. Um, the radio play is, is kind of short-lived. The tracks have a very short shelf life with radio and social media, but with the publishing deal, it's, you could have a song that's, you know, 10 years old and if it's the right song. It's, it's going to get onto that advert or film, which is mm -hmm. kind of a benefit, I think too many bands do push for that fame on social media and, and the radio play too much in sales. And it's not the way to go now if you want to make money because it dies out. You see so many rock stars, you know, that were huge five or six years ago and now broke because they were not smart with the way they did things. They, they you know, became famous for a few years, played some gigs and spent all their money. And you need to be smart with the way you make music and the way you market your music to get that longevity, I think. Yeah, I like what you said, you know, you're like, I'll never be an 18-year-old pop star. And yeah. <laughs> um, that's something I tell my wife often, too, is that I feel like my music or just music in general, like, has a larger lifespan because I'm not trying to be a pop star. So, you know, an 18-year-old yeah. pop star, unfortunately, they have a really short lifespan. It, it's so much of the music is about their youth and their looks. And then yeah. once that starts to fade right? Forget about it. Now we've, you know, yeah. now, now they're lost in the ether of like music history versus exactly, the artists, yeah. who, you know, putting out genuine music from, from the depths of their soul. Right. And how do you go from being 18 years old and playing to, you know, 30,000 people to then being broke and stacking shelves at a supermarket? You know, yeah. what does that do to people? It's, it's kind of like, it's, it's a machine, isn't it? Music is a machine. <coughs> 
it kind of churns people out. It brings them in and churns them out. And it's a really short shelf life. And, you know, there's not a huge amount of bands I can think of that have lasted, you know, a huge amount of time. There's, especially recently, I can think of, you know, maybe 10 or so bands that have done that, you know, successfully and, and been smart and put out continuously good music. And but the pop stuff, you know, the boy bands, they just do not last. Yeah. Well, so I can tell that uh, you've been, I've had you talking for so long, you're starting to get a little tickled. <laughs> use some water there, huh, bud? I'll do that in a minute. Yeah. A little bit of water or a cup of tea or something. Well, I mean, I feel very good about everything we've talked about today. This has been an amazing awesome. it's conversation. It's been a good interview, to be fair. It's been good. Thanks. It's been very inspiring to hear from you. Um, I'd love for you to tell us, you know, the name of the band. I know it, but I'm going to let you tell them, you know, where we can find more music from you, all that good stuff, whatever you'd like to, to tell us. So we are called Serenade the Stars. Mm -hmm. I took the name from, there's a band called Feeder, who I really like. Uh, and there's a track of theirs called Satellite News. And there's a line in there that says Serenade the Stars, which is where I took the band name from. But we are called Serenade the Stars. We are on Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, Google Play. It's the one that uh, Jay-Z does, his streaming platform. We're on there. <laughs> Tidal, we're on Tidal. Basically every streaming platform. Mm -hmm. feel free to buy the music instead of streaming it because it means we can make more um, but look up Serenade the Stars our latest song is called TikTok and uh, it's a sing-along catchy kind yeah. of cool song to listen to I thought it was very cool <coughs> I'm getting a cough now <laughs> where's the best place to buy the music for someone who wants to support you guys where do you get the most revenue iTunes would be would be the obvious one but it's on yeah. Amazon as well so feel free to buy it on Amazon Amazon or iTunes kind of work um, it helps if you're on Spotify, playlist us, add us to playlists. Cool. Um, it means Spotify notices what we're doing more. Um, not necessarily for money, but it kind of markets us. If you hear us on Spotify on a random playlist, you may go out and buy one of our songs. You may come and see us play live when we're allowed to play live again. Yes. You know, it kind of helps us in a big way. We don't make money from Spotify, but it's a good marketing tool. Sorry, so course kind of hopefully you guys are. will be coming through europe i'm in brussels so i'd love to catch you on tour. i would love to i would absolutely love to we talked about it <coughs> last year going on tour around europe and then the pandemic hit but it's something we do want to go back to and sure and kind of get going it's just we just don't know when this pandemic will end um yeah i think we're looking at march next year before you know we can tour we can play live now but it just doesn't make sense to go into a venue and play to 10 socially distanced people it's it's kind of sure. not going to help the venue and it's not going to help us as a band uh, yeah. to do it so we're going to wait until everything clears up we'll do some festivals next year and then hopefully tour so it'd be great to head over to europe and do some touring there there's a lot of places i'd like to visit so um that that's on the cards and if not i'll come through with a book or something i'm sure yeah well you know i was gonna say i'd love to have you I'd love to interview you again about the book. I want to hear more about this children's book when it's I would you know, love to. into the world. Yeah, I would love That'd to. That'd be amazing to hear about. I'll send you a link to the book Please. after this. The website's up and running. It's, it's called The Cheese Miner on the Moon. Okay, uh, cool. Give you a brief description. It's about a cheese miner on the moon. Um, yeah, I love it. I love um, it. Obviously, the moon is made of cheese. Of course. It does yeah. carry a, a message as well. So it's, it's kind of designed to be entertaining for kids. 
but at the same time carry that message that we cannot continue to consume in the way we're doing on planet earth you know with what we're doing with oil and, and natural resources because it's it's not going to end well mm. so the metaphor is that that cheese on the moon that kind of yeah. represents oil and and things along those lines um and that's uh hopefully we're gonna you know spread some education through doing it and, and kind of get a message to kids now because you know they are they're the generation that could potentially save planet earth we're not on a good course right now and you know we need to change the world definitely and, and this generation isn't going to do it you know the, the leaders aren't going to do it they're just going to carry on doing what they're doing and we need to um to stop that from happening and music is an and art is a beautiful vehicle for that it speaks to you doesn't it if you look at the person you've become today and think back to the films you watched when you were a kid and the tv shows you watched as a kid it's probably more so those that made you the person that you are that put those morals within you and and everything else than what you were taught at schools we learn so much from this that we don't know that we're learning you know it's very subtle and um i think it's done very deliberately from the artists i think so too there's sometimes i go back and listen to an old album and I, i really dig into the lyrics and i'm like oh my god no wonder i am who i am <laughs> yeah because of yeah. these lyrics <laughs> yeah it's incredible that's so true yeah incredible well <laughs> i am excited because i know that someday children are going to look back at this age in their life and think man i was listening to serenade the stars growing up and that just like molded me into the person that i am today who let's hope so an artist let's a creator so. <laughs> a musician that would be good. I, if I'd never made any money from it, I'd be happy if I at least changed, you know, the opinion of a few people growing up. And hopefully I can do that through, through the writing and the music. You are, man. You definitely are already. It's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, Damien, this was an incredible conversation. I absolutely love it. Excellent. I've enjoyed it. It's been great. Yeah. Thank you so much for your willingness to come on today and talk to me. It's amazing. No problem. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Awesome, brother. So... All right, so that about wraps it up for today's very first episode of Reconnecting to the Artist Within. I'm your host, Mike Murray, and it is my goal to inspire you to crack open your creative vision and unleash it on the world. I really hope that you enjoyed today's interview with Damien. I know I did. It was just chalked filled with powerful moments, and I'm really looking forward to bringing more of these interviews to our listeners. So thank you so much for listening. If you would love to you know, give us a thumbs up or, or stars or whatever the rating system is where you're listening and uh, you know, make a comment, share it with your friends, write a review, all of that stuff is going to help this community grow so that we can continue to inspire more people. If you want to continue to connect deeper on these subjects, we have a Facebook group. It's called Reconnecting to Our Inner Artists. And it's a really fun group. Where we're all sharing um, some of the, the journey that we're experiencing as we're connecting deeper with our creativity. So thank you again so much for listening. I really appreciate you. And I will see you on the next episode. All right. Take care.